Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners ready. This is an impromptu stream of Missed Apex podcast. We thought we'd go live since we were on the mics anyway, uh, recording the Remain Indoors podcast. So with no planning or preparation, which I know hurts my co-host, let me introduce Matt to Rumpets. You don't like it when we do stuff like this, do you, Matt? No, all I asked for was a simple eight or nine hours to research every possible permutation and combination, and you said, no, let's just record a thing. So, fine. Yeah, sorry about that, but the, you know, it's come up this morning, and normally, you know, I wouldn't react to a breaking news story. I don't see us as a news outlet. However, I just realized the next time I'm going to be on the Mistake Apex show with you is actually Sunday week, because we've got Joe Saywood coming up. Um, in the shed, and he will have a brilliant take on this, I'm sure, as he always does. But why not just jump on with a little look of why this thing has happened and what might happen next? So the breaking news story, Matt, is that Sebastian Vettel not only has not agreed a a, a new contract with with Ferrari, this isn't just a contract stall, they've actually decided to part ways. Uh, yeah, we actually had uh, a wee little um, tidbit on Sunday that we didn't get to that uh, Sky Italia had announced. I think it was one of the, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, that that they were stalled over a one-year contract. And and we'd sort of gotten the impression all along that the, the biggest thing for Vettel was going to be how long is this contract, not even necessarily how much money yeah. am I getting paid. And to a certain extent, what you know, what kind of equitable treatment is going to be written into the contract, one would think, with Leclerc coming along and and looking to be a real challenger, you know, parity of treatment, you know, who gets the best bits first, that kind of thing you, you would expect to be in there. And as happens, I guess the 
with the perspective of being unable to race and thinking longer thoughts, perhaps, and spending more time yeah. with one's family, uh, they realized that neither party was going to get what it wanted from the other. And so they said, hey, let's just call the whole thing off. And that's where we are today. I mean, it's an interesting scenario for these negotiations to take place. They certainly weren't sitting across a boardroom table, pushing you know, small bits of paper across the table to each other, opening up and going, double that and I'll think about it. You know, these were all being conducted, I assume, via email, via lawyers, via the odd Zoom call. And it's a very different situation for a family man, a father such as Sebastian Vettel. Really, you know, the focus is right at the moment is looking after your family, making sure everyone's okay. It's painted a, a very, a very different scenario for these kind of contract negotiations. And it, and it's interesting that it isn't a, well, we haven't reached the decision now. So let's see what happens towards the, the end of 2020. No, both parties have released statements saying that this is it. So we've had official confirmation from Scuderia Ferrari and Sebastian Vettel has also said, you know, our, our, our journeys are going different ways. So this looks like 100% Vettel's out at the end of 2020. Yeah, uh, Saints Corner reminds me it was uh, Torini that would, did the interview with Sky Italia that I was referencing. Um, I don't know about you. But I have fixed many, many things in my house recently that I never would have otherwise fixed had I not been at home for yeah, a long yeah. period of time. I would first put out there that if this, if the races were going on as originally planned, this would probably not be a thing that we'd be hearing about at all. We'd be hearing yeah. exactly what you said is, oh, yeah, we know we've agreed to focus on the racing and we'll worry about the contract later because you have so many immediate things to get in your way. Uh, we have to next next race developments. You need to test this. We got to work on this, blah, 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 blah. Now we're all sat around the factory. We're all sat around home. There is nothing to get in the way of discovering that you have nothing in common with the former team you thought you were going to win a world championship with. So it's clear that the, all was not well to get us to this point. So I, I have a rumor in my back pocket and... um Hang on a second, as I've killed my computer. Uh, I have a rumor in my back pocket. I just managed to lock my desktop, um, which I'm going to share with you. I don't know if this rumor is out, um, but the source is, is reasonable uh, about why Sebastian Vettel turned it down, the contract offer. And, and I believe there was a contract offer on the table. Chat room is saying we're looking forward to some wild spanners rumors. I always tell you if it's rumor and I always try to be fair when, when we, are really sure about something, then Mist Apex does tend to understand a thing. This isn't quite that. What I've heard, uh, secondhand through a good source, is that Ferrari offered Sebastian Vettel nine million pounds, nine million dollars, sorry, for a one-year contract. Now, the one-year contract, that might be a sticking point, but it doesn't matter. The money, I don't think the, mo the money was going to be the biggest thing. I know there is a thing with sports stars in general where it's, uh, it, you're rating my worth. So if Shaq, Shaq O'Neal, great, my basketball references are right up to scratch. You know, if, if Shaquille O'Neal is getting 40 million, then I'm just as good. I should also get 40 million. I, I think you could hide that. You could bury that uh, and you could put it down to budget restraints or the incoming costs tightening or whatever. That's not important. But what I heard was, that on top of it only being a one-year contract, it also had number two status written into it. So there's two aspects of this. First, number two status means he doesn't get the card developed the way he wants it. And we, we, we think Sebastian Vettel still wants 
a car in a very specific way, which it's worth saying is a, a not very Ferrari way. He wants a lot of downforce on the rear end, uh, as per his Red Bull days. And Ferrari don't like doing that. They like having a stripped down, powerful rocket ship. And so he won't get the car developed to his liking. He'll have to swallow team orders as a four-time world champion, swallowing team orders for his younger teammate. Effectively, Matt, what I'm getting to is if this rumor is correct, that he was offered nine million, one-year contract, number two status, this is effectively a sacking because Sebastian Vettel could not have accepted those terms. Ferrari have made it clear, we don't want you. And they've given him an offer that he couldn't possibly accept. Yeah, I I think that sort of, that would be at the heart of it. If if number two status was written into the contract, there's no way he would accept it or could accept it, or frankly, I think should accept it. Equitable is really the best that, 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 that you should, that you should go for in that circumstance. But we know that Ferrari as a tactic is always focused more on the drivers than the constructors championship and as such you very much are going to want to put all of your eggs into a singular basket and i guess the original plan was vettel and then leclerc but leclerc has come online uh, perhaps a lot faster than they anticipated and then the other thing is very much going to be the number of years you're with the team if you're vettel uh, you know i mean i'm not at retirement age by any stretch of the imagination but you know, I'm not, I'm not looking to, I may, I may not be looking to pull a Raikkonen and just go drive for whatever team I can buy a piece of and own later on when I get tired of treating Formula One like my own personal amusement park. Sorry, Raikkonen fans. I do like him, but he that is sort of how it comes it off sometimes, no, right? He literally said it was a hobby. So there's no foul yeah. there. You're fine. Okay. Good enough. Uh, and, and I finally have to say that, yes, you are absolutely correct to reference LeBron James, uh, in your basketball analogy there. So well done. Okay, good. I don't know anything about American sports. Basketball is elitist. It's heightest. It's anti-shortest. It's a horrible, horrible game. Um, right. Let's have a look at, you know, how we kind of got to this point a little bit. And then I want to wildly speculate about uh, actual viable replacements. And then lastly, I want to speculate wildly on what might happen next to Sebastian Vettel. Can we do that? We talk to actual journalists all the time now. Is that not irresponsible? Oh, who cares? Never mind. Well, we're not journalists. That's okay. Look, we make that quite clear. Look, I, I try to be a useful idiot. Everybody drink. Mark off your, your bingo square. Uh, and surround myself with people who know things. But in this scenario, where we were here recording anyway, I am approaching this from a complete fan point of view. And the most fun thing to do in this situation is, wow, let's speculate on what could happen next. Because as far as driver news goes... This is ginormous. This is a huge story and a huge moment in Formula One history. Yeah, and I'm quite irritated that they didn't either do it last Saturday or this Saturday, but instead chose Monday night of all nights to drop the news. I know, I know. So I'm looking forward to getting Joe's Joe's real uh, insight into it. And uh, what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to have a big gap without you and me talking about it as well. So last season... When Leclerc got handed his five-year extension, my immediate reaction was, that, that's it. That's it for Vettel. There's no reason to give your young superstar five years without knowing that he's the future. That was a huge statement for Ferrari. Now, what I'm trying to remember, chatroom, see if you can help me out. Was the five-year contract extension around Brazil? 
was it just after Brazil, the incident where Leclerc and and Vettel came together? Because I've got a feeling that whichever way round that was, what happened in in Brazil would have been really painful for Ferrari. It was it was an act of it was such bad driving to just steer into Leclerc on that straight in Brazil, Matt, that that you have to think there was something else going on. You know, either he was so determined and focused on Leclerc, Leclerc had got so under his skin that he found himself drifting over and kind of defending a phantom pass. You know, I'm certainly not going to accuse him of of driving into a, a driver deliberately, although we know we know he's able to do it, but something something changed then and i wouldn't be surprised if that was the point uh db's darren is saying it was late december something seemed to change there under the hood at ferrari where we go oh something's not right with vettel and there's no way that's going to wash it's almost like he tried to bully the young pup you know and the pup bit back yeah i'm i'm trying to cast i remember the vague outline of it but i don't remember the specifics and you know, we have seen this at Red Bull, uh, and we've seen it with other drivers that are not Vettel. It's just he expected perhaps a level of deference that he wasn't doing that situation. Uh, but I think if you're Ferrari, um, it's a combination of things. Originally, you would have seen Vettel carrying on for a shorter extension yeah. and bridging the gap um, as Leclerc, Leclerc comes entirely up to speed. Uh, but it could just be that having had such success with Leclerc, they feel that they are in a stronger position. And then when you look back at, yeah. you know, the, the mistakes, tiny mistakes, a lot I have them. a great deal of empathy, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, 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 I yep. no, I mean, I mean, I do. I, I had a, I had a job and I made one mistake and they didn't ask me back. It's like, I know what that's like, like when you're constantly under that pressure to be that perfect. It can be a difficult thing, but they may have found they did not need his services as much as they originally anticipated. And meanwhile, as as Vettel, I'm not interested in being any place as a second class citizen. I would be okay with being an equal class citizen. And it may just be that the terms of the contract they offered him, whether explicit or implicit, were such that he was like, nah, I, I can sense that this wind has shifted. And I have yeah. no interest at all in spending my years playing, playing, you know, cleaning up Leclerc's messes, as it were. Even if it had said equal status from uh, from from number one driver to equal status, that is enough of a shift in the wind, isn't it? To say, oh, you know, you know, it's it's equal status, but then when there's only one front wing, who gets it? You know, those little subtleties uh, can then come in, and certainly Ferrari have done that to drivers who didn't know that they were playing that role, but very firmly got pushed into that role. Yeah. And, and, and he is, he's, you know, I'm sure, you know, how long, how far back do you want to go? Alonzo and Massa, Alonzo and Raikkonen, he and Raikkonen. I mean, you know, you know very well what you're in for at Ferrari. There will be a number one driver and it's probably not going to be you if there's somebody else already there. Uh, yeah. So interesting, but, they wouldn't, I think, Ferrari have anticipated it happening this quickly. So Leclerc's, Leclerc's performances Leclerc, Leclerc yeah. may have hurried that along. And I, I, I still sense that Brazil was big, that that was a, a huge moment. Someone in the chat room there suggested, you know, maybe he thought he could scare Leclerc off the line. You know, it was a show of strength. 
Leclerc was going to jump out of the way. He didn't. Uh, that is a reasonable scenario as well. But it was, um, yeah, I think he's, he's, uh, he's misjudged his relationship with Ferrari there, thinking that perhaps he was still the big guy and this guy was still earning his dues. So it's happened. Vettel is out. Vettel's gone from Ferrari and we now have to look at a post-Vettel Ferrari. We do. And, and it's funny, you, you talk about it like that, and it suddenly makes me think of the Verstappen Ricardo incident at Baku, where Verstappen was technically at fault, but Ricardo said, you know, the yes. inner team fallout from that kind of convinced me, you know, whether you choose to believe him as that being a no, precipitating yeah, factor. Yeah, I do. The, the, the inner team fallout from that was decisive and made him realize that, you know, like it or not, the winds had shifted at Red Bull and he was not ever going to be anything other than the driver that won when Max didn't. So I, unless I'm misremembering this, this was Baku coming down the, the main drag and yep. Verstappen did a lot of weaving in, in mm-hmm. my head. And I put that squarely as Ricardo was making an overtaking move. Verstappen weaved, gave him nowhere to go. And that's why you're not allowed to weave. It, it looked all the world like Max's fault. And so for the team to come out there and say, well, it's both of yours fault is tantamount. I don't really know that word. Tantamount to equal to saying, uh, defending Max. So yes, I can see how Ricciardo, Ricardo got annoyed by that. Shifting winds, uh, really interesting. The winds have shifted all the way now. So they've given Vettel a contract he couldn't accept, in my mind. That's how I'm reading it. I he has, he, there's, there's no, and I, and I respect that. There's no way you should be asked to be a number two driver as a four time world champion. If you've got yourself to that position, you need to go either need to leave the sport or find yourself a place at a team where you can be the number one. When you're four-time world champion, you're number one at the team you go to. It's got to be that way, or at the very least, a genuine, like, equal opportunities yeah. fight. Parity. Yeah, you know. uh, yeah, parity. So you would imagine if there was a pairing of Vettel and uh, Vettel and, and Hamilton, in that dream scenario, both of them could, in theory, accept, okay, equal thingies, let's go for it. This is it. This is, uh, this is the big fight on the ticket. So Vettel's gone. Gone. I was going to say, and yet you bring up an intriguing and entirely probable condition with that suggestion. I do, but we're not going there yet. So here's where we're going to go. Right, here's where we're going to go. We've gone through what's happened. Uh, I want to see a a post-Vettel Ferrari. Then we will wildly speculate about Vettel replacements and what may become of Vettel's career. So post-Vettel Ferrari. Now, I am not a Ferrari fan, okay? Obviously respectful of them as a team. They're a giant team. They produced a car that could have won world championships in the turbo hybrid era. These guys are not mugs. They've made some tactical errors. We don't rate their their tactics. They perhaps have made errors that have cost points. Vettel certainly has cost them a lot of points. So they're not mugs. They knew what they were doing. They had their plan to keep Vettel for another year whilst Leclerc was busy cooking. And then they had would have had these two great drivers, a great champion, and this new up-and-coming star scoring points, hurting Mercedes, and at some point in the championship, favouring one or the other. That would have been the perfect plan. Leclerc is second in the championship, 30 points ahead of Vettel, perfectly reasonable at that point to say, Vettel, sorry, mate, we're going to have to ask you to support Leclerc here. So that's that was their plan, and I guess now that is changing, now it's different. Here's my big concern for Ferrari, if I was ever to have a concern for Ferrari. We love Leclerc. He is a massive talent. He's not in his final form. This isn't the final Charles Leclerc. He's had two seasons in Formula One. If they deliver him a car that is dominant, 
I'm sure he can bring it home. But there's no way he is the finished product now for a tight, close championship fight with the Lewis Hamilton Mercedes winning machine. That is too much pressure for the stage in his career he's at. We know there's still chinks in the armor. We know he's still liable to make mistakes because he's only done two years in F1. He's brilliant, but it's too soon for him to take on that kind of fight. Or the Max Verstappen Red Bull championship winning machine, I would just chuck out there. I'm talking about just the extant Formula One winning combination. But yeah, of course, like toe-to-toe championship fight. Let's say they turn up with equal cars and equal number one status. Max and Red Bull, Charles and Ferrari, Hamilton and Mercedes in equal machinery. I would be putting all my money on Lewis Hamilton. My second bet on that would be the Max Verstappen machine because we have seen him evolving and he looks frighteningly close to the finished article, the finished article that he's going to be. Uh, Charles Leclerc is not in that same bracket. He's not of the same era. He's not of the same generation. It would be a punt to put a bet on him in that scenario. Yeah, he would need he would need the car to go to give him the margin. To win the championship. So so there's two things. There's the mental winning of the championship. You don't know the pressure until you've been there. You don't know what it's like to sit out on stage and play until you've sat out on stage and played in front of audience at Lincoln Center. And you so you don't know how you're going to react. And usually the first time is the most complicated time. Just ask Lewis Hamilton in 2007, for example, where he was all but there. And yet, just a series of tiny things at the end yes, yes. got in the way. It's a really good example. Michael Distelhoff in the chat. Hello to the you guys in the chat room joining us in the afternoon. And yes, that is coffee in my mug, not rum. Uh, says he's very mentally tough, winning on the weekend of his father's death. Not doubting that. He is mentally tough. He's challenged. He's, he's, um, he, he's talented. He's proved that. But there's a big difference between that and the relentless consistency you need to win a championship. I agree 100%. There are small decisions you make to win championships versus decisions you make to win races. And learning which one is appropriate when is something that only comes with experience. Experience is much like defending a position, an automatic force multiplier. Okay, I'm going to pretend I understood that and uh, and roll on. Uh, but yeah, look, Leclerc's brilliant. Leclerc's brilliant. The plan was never to have him exposed like this at this stage. So I, so I don't think it's gone to plan. And I, I think that they have a wilderness year ahead of them, potentially another wilderness year. I look at 2017, 2018, and Matt and I, we argue over the maths of it. And I maintain that Vettel and Ferrari had a chance to win. Certainly in 2017, 2018, the maths are a little bit harder. But the fact of the matter is that they were up against a Lewis Hamilton that was relentless and he was nearly flawless for those seasons. And he was an absolute machine and Sebastian Vettel made some mistakes, but he made an almost human amount of mistakes, maybe too many, but the mistakes that normal drivers up and down the grids are making, uh, but don't have the same profile. But in this current generation of F1, th- that this is the fight. It's Leclerc Ferrari versus Hamilton Mercedes. And that's what you've got to be up against. So at this stage, I think Ferrari with this move, assuming they're not going to bring in another number one driver over Leclerc, I think at this stage they've left themselves exposed for this season and next season. Well, here's the problem you have with Leclerc being a bit inexperienced. 
who do you want in the car? You want someone who has the experience and knowledge to go toe-to-toe with Hamilton and Mercedes or Verstappen and Red Bull. Now, on individual races, Leclerc can do this, but across the whole of a season where he's been shown to be most deficient, um, and I say that as someone who can appreciate that his deficiency would be that thing that I could never even begin to pull off of myself. Of course, of course. But relative to the other drivers in Formula One, perhaps I should put that, and not even relative to the other drivers, relative to Hamilton, uh, to the very top, to the very top, yeah, course, to the yeah. top two or three drivers on the grid. Uh, t- I think tire management is going to be his biggest Achilles heel, and is going to be uh, problem number one for Ferrari. And problem number two is, and, and we heard this talk about Kubica a lot. We want a driver in the car who is in- highly experienced in driving the car and telling the engineers what feedback they need to hear in order to improve the car. So on both of those counts you think they would be looking for someone with a fairly long career at a reasonably high level who's very highly rated and incredibly um, consistent, very, very consistent, will pick up the pieces anytime it doesn't go to plan. Well, let's start talking about the drivers that are lined up for it then. So my immediate thought as a Sergio Perez fan was, Sergio Perez, actually, he fits those bills. He's fitting everything you're saying there. Consistent. Can can drag a car and, and let it outperform itself. Not through raw pace, but through uh, reading the race. You know, great at reading the race. Reading the tyres. Reading the strategy. Reliable. Great for feedback. Understands the mechanics of the car underneath him. Hods and hods of experience. And despite only having a midfield car, has secured... 1,827 podiums in that time. Uh, I would be, of course, torn because I would be very hard to cheer for Perez in Ferrari Red. But you know what, Matt? He is not in the bookies' uh, window at all. So I've looked up the odds and I've got the top nine drivers, top ten drivers with the shortest odds. Hang on. Top nine. Um, And Perez isn't on it. That's a surprise to me. Uh, but it's also not a surprise because of all the things I mentioned, I think the consistency would be their biggest concern, especially the last year he and Ocon were at Force India together. Um, I, I think they would, they would be concerned about that. But from a tire management point of view, especially, and from an ability to deliver a podium when it's within striking distance, it would be hard to argue against him. He also comes with money and a lot of support in a market that is probably reasonably important to Ferrari uh, from 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 their point of view that way. So in all those and the experience, you are correct. He's been around yeah. a long time. He knows how to get the job done. So chat room is really going to help us out here because we've not had the time to dive into everybody's contract lengths. So as we go down the drivers and decide whether they are a viable option or not, chat room, you can help us out with some contract stuff. So apparently Perez has a three-year contract so that would, on the face of it, make it difficult. Mercedes tie-ins, I don't know. Uh, but I don't think anything of those things are impossible. They're just a factor. I think if Ferrari wanted to wrestle Perez away from, from Racing Point and Racing Point could have a plan to replace, replace him, I don't, I don't think that is necessarily a stopper. You know, Ferrari have got a lot of money. If they want Sergio Perez, they can put an offer to Stroll Senior. Uh, they paid Raikkonen not to race for a couple of years. I'm pretty sure that this is a problem solvable by money in this instance. Yeah, but and, and we're talking about 2021. 
Yeah. Actually, that's not, right. that's something we've skipped over. If we get races this season, we've got an out of contract, lame duck number one driver with, in theory, still a number one contract till the end of 2020 driving around in that Ferrari. He could still win the championship. He's got, he's in a Ferrari, which as far as we know, could be the best car this year. Fascinating times ahead. Oh, it's, it's, yes, I cannot wait till they hit the track in a very safe and no one gets sick kind of fashion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, we're not going to spend our whole time going that. Yeah, yeah. But when we get back there, when it is safe and do, legal to do so and where uh, other crisps are available, we don't have to do all that. All right. We want racing back and we'll, we'll do it when it's safe. We know that. All right. Fair enough. So Perez is a good option also because um, if Leclerc is really the number one, he's definitely someone I could see being happy picking up the pieces for Leclerc at Ferrari. Yeah, it's interesting. Genuinely think Perez would take that role uh, and and be happy that there's a chance of him picking up a win. I think Perez at this stage in his career has a lot to be proud of, but if he can get onto the top step a couple of times in a season in the same way Bottas has done, that's a good that's a good return. You got good stories, you, you end your career on a high. That could be that could fit perfectly. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's where that's where the fallout of Vettel, you know, essentially implying it's it's a number two contract. I mean, you heard that as a rumor. If we're hearing that as a rumor, for any dri- any other driver we're going to discuss, that now becomes a bit of an issue, doesn't it? It does. It does. If, if well, I say that we could also bring up Hulkenberg as as another possible. We certainly can do that. Why don't we go through the from favorite to not favorite? So Tom Wheatley has said that Perez. Is it 25 to 1 on the site he's looked at? I am just going from Coral. It's the first, I've never actually used Coral. I, I've just picked them out of a hat. So the top candidate there is Daniel Ricciardo at just over, well, evens and a half, three to two. So Daniel Ricciardo, let's talk about him as a realistic prospect. Just throw my pen at the microphone. Is Jeansy <sighs> visiting you? I don't know. I'm not going to edit it out either. I'm going to own that mistake. So Daniel Ricciardo, similar driver to Perez. Now, I know there's hardcore Daniel Ricciardo fans out there. Great racer. Great racer. Great bloke. His, is he is he on talent, out and out, one of the fastest top drivers out there? Or is he someone like Perez, someone like Jensen Button? Um, the I don't want to say journeyman, but I think people know what I mean if I say that. The sort of driver who's really good, can do a really good job at any team. Possibly not, uh, you know, one of the greats of the sport. Are Ferrari looking for that? A solid journeyman like Daniel Ricciardo? I would put him into the Rosberg category. He can definitely win races. He's not a Rosberg driver. He's not intellectual. He's the exact opposite of that. His, he has certain skills, particularly with braking, that are just really, really impressive. More so in a Red Bull, I would say. Um, but for me, the the driver status would be a bit of an issue. I mean, he's... Agreed. Obviously yeah. went to Renault, was, you know, I'd say favored a bit. He's a name driver. He's probably closer to Hamilton than anyone else in terms of world popularity. He's very popular. No, no, no. Marketing-wise. I think you're right. Wise. You're right. He was a named driver. That that didn't make sense to me at first, but then it sat. You're right. He is a, he's a big ticket dr- name, a big ticket name driver, for sure. 
So he would have to have a lot of assurances that it was going to be an absolutely fair fight with Leclerc if that was a step he was going to take. Otherwise, he's got a brand new driver coming in to a team that he now owns and he's getting a large sum of money. Now, some people will make the argument it's been demonstrated that if you give him enough money, he will go. But I argue it would have to be a lot of money to swallow anything other than dead parody. Uh, and we know that that's not, yeah, Ferrari just has a history of gradually favoring one driver sooner rather than later. And would he, would his ego allow him to live with that? I don't know. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So the, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think not. I think he would want to go there with parity. So I think it would fall down. There's a lot of drivers who would go there going, oh, okay, I'll be the number two. But you know what? I'll be the number two and I'll just keep churning out results and look for the odd win and and there's a chance that the wins could shift and earn their way that's that's not that's not inconceivable you start as a number two and you end up as a, a number one so i've just um people are telling me my, my odds are out of date so i've gone to oddschecker.com and so i've got slightly more up-to-date odds there they put the favorite as carlos signs so here we go yeah. so let's assess Carlos Sainz. Again, you would think though, Carlos Sainz, we've got this mindset of we're looking for a compliant number two. Carlos Sainz is going there. He's not going there as a compliant number two at all. He is of pedigree. He is, uh, you know, the the son of a a famous motorsport guy. He would fancy himself as a future world champion. Carlos Sainz, if he goes to Ferrari, you've got two number ones at Ferrari. You do. But Unlike Ricardo, even though Signs is a name, he's a name at McLaren. So if you're Signs, the question you're asking yourself is, will McLaren be in contention for Constructors' Championships anytime soon? And if not, then am I better off rolling the dice at the most storied team in Formula One? 
True. with the biggest fan base and as the driver who basically got fired because he was too close to beating Max Verstappen from Red Bull. So it's his chance back to the big leagues, the biggest of the leagues. Okay. Yeah, go on. Yeah, I just thought something popped into my head. So It's his chance back to the biggest of the leagues. And if they will grant him parity at the start of the season and spell it out in detail, I think he could walk in the door thinking he had a fair chance that, that if he, he was ahead on points by, you know, the sixth race of the season, that he would, they would let him be the favored son and Leclerc would live with it and he could live with it. But he has great chemistry with Norris and he's in a very, very happy place right now because he's definitely got the edge. It would be an entirely different thing. He'd be walking into a buzzsaw if he went. Okay. So let's get out of our head the number two driver status thing because if my rumor is correct, then they didn't necessarily want everyone to know that that's what they offered to Vettel. And it could well have been just a way to make him jump rather than push him. So let's go on the assumption that any driver offered a Ferrari contract now is offered parity. All right, let's do that. So they're offered parity. You offer it to Daniel Ricciardo, he's going to take it. He's going to snap that up. You want the Ferrari contract, it's parity. But I think you have to go there with a hint of knowing that you've only got a one-year contract, you've only got a two-year contract, Leclerc is in the middle of a five-year contract and he's already seen off one very popular Ferrari driver, uh, played the politics game clearly uh, quite well. So you know what you're walking into. It might say parity on there, but you know you're walking into Charles Leclerc's team. Under those circumstances, Sainz goes and goes and does it. And uh, someone in the chat there says that Italian media are starting to report that it's been confirmed that Signs is going there. And that's definitely a rumor. That's just from the chat. Signs, signs, everywhere signs. Signs everywhere. All right, let's have a look at some of the other odds. Antonio Giovinazzi, 33 to 1. No, no way. He's done nothing to prove he's ready for a Ferrari seat. He's done nothing to show he's even con- in contention for a Ferrari seat. He's in F1 right now because Kimi Raikkonen likes him as a teammate. And why? And why would Kimi Raikkonen like him as a teammate because he's he's not that good. Uh, maybe he's that good. Maybe he's not. He's taken too long to get up to speed. Uh, th- that much is clear. He he's his inconsistency for whatever reason has affected the impression uh, team managers have of him. And even though he can be fast on the odd day, he's just he's made too many mistakes. It's taken too long. And so no, I don't ever see him as being anything other than uh you know uh, a weekend driver at the factory in the sim which apparently he is kind of good at. Another driver I've not seen mentioned is Roman Grosjean, who Simon Strang, Str- Simon S. in the chat room says, uh, suggests as a replacement. I-, I don't think so. We're looking for, now, uh, there's, no, there's no charity here. We're looking for drivers at the, the top of their game. Signs, yep, probably approaching the top of his game in his prime. Ricardo, yeah, that's, that Ric- that's the finished Ricardo we've got there, ready, cooked, ready to serve up. Yeah, rewind it back to the Grosjean that was winning races in the Lotus after Raikkonen left, and I, I might agree. Fast, yes, exactly. incredibly yeah, yeah, good yeah, yeah. with technical feedback, very good choice. But he, he's he's on tenterhooks with Haas yeah, right now exactly. because of the yeah. mistakes, and that's the last thing they're going to want in a driver is someone prone to mistakes. Yeah, so he's he's his stock is low, and he you no one is saying Grosjean is at the top of his game. I think we go a bit too far. Slayton Grosjean, no one's saying he's at the top of the game. Same for Kimi Raikkonen as well. 
nobody is seriously arguing Kimi Raikkonen is at the top of his game. He's he's racing incredibly for his age. Like he's older than me, Matt. Um, is he forty? He's forty now. So he's forty. He's still on the grid. Is admittedly treating it as a hobby. I don't see that as a serious option either. And now we're getting into some of the really interesting ones here. So let, let's skip over some of the ones I think are less likely. Mick Schumacher, 20 to 1, I'm seeing. C- completely, un- no, no way. Way too soon, way too much pressure to put uh, Mick Schumacher into into that seat. Now, let's get into some of the more interesting ones. Fernando Alonso, 33 to 1. Did Alonso ever retire? He always said he was going to come back. But honestly, if someone's going to come back, I don't think it's Alonzo at this point. He's been out too long. It would be Hulkenberg, who hasn't really missed anything. Okay, now, Hulkenberg. That is an interesting one. Uh, last silly season, uh, going back, I guess, 18 months now, uh, we reported here that Mr. Apex understood that Haas were told uh, to cease their approach on Nico Hulkenberg. Stop offering Nico Hulkenberg a seat because we need him in case we decide, you know, we need another driver, in case we don't still have Sebastian Vettel. So we know, we know, we know, we understand that Hulkenberg has definitely been on Ferrari's radar and putting him in after what, it would just be one season out of the sport? That's a realistic and viable option because you can get him in as your test reserve driver for the rest of the season. Correct. You wouldn't really be missing anything and he could get drives in the current car. So. Yeah, he wouldn't be competing, but you can make sure he was in the machine and and up to speed when next year starts. So we've been looking at this from the driver's point of view. Let's look at it from Ferrari's point of view. One of the dream drivers that I think you could want as someone to offer parity that isn't quite on the top pace is reliable, dependable, politically aware, brand aware, and a driver that I think has apart from failing to beat Lewis Hamilton, has done himself no disservice so far in his F1 career, is Valtteri Bottas. If you're the Ferrari management, imagine, just imagine, put yourself in that boat, Bottas comes and shakes your hand, he accepts the contract, and he does the marvellous job for you that he's been doing for, uh, for, for, for Mercedes. But you know that in the championship crunch, he will move out of the way, and he will let Leclerc go through, and he will play the team game. Yeah, well, you know he plays the team game. I'm surprised you didn't mention Lewis Hamilton. Well, I was getting there. Boy, wouldn't that be hilariously fun? I was getting there. I was getting there. I was getting there. All right, fair enough. But but let's go with Bottas first, because I think you're right. From Ferrari's point of view, he might be a better choice, because he he will be competitive with Leclerc, but at the end of the day, Leclerc has more talent and will win out without them having to be heavy about it. You know he will play the team game. Whatever rules they agree to, he will abide by in a way that not every driver always will. I'm going to say multi-21 and just leave it at that. Um, And yeah, it would be a big coup, much like we saw Cyril Abitable being very happy to have uh, wooed Daniel Ricciardo away from Red Bull. I'm pretty sure it would make Ferrari pretty happy to wind up with Botas away from Mercedes, just on that level as well. There's a He would actually, I think, be the singular possible best choice for them to balance Leclerc at the team. Ivind makes a point. It would also mess with Mercedes big time. So the first point yeah. I wanted to say is, look, Leclerc's still really inexperienced. So you need some inexperience. You need some experience in that second seat. You need 
Grand Prix testing experience, etc., and an experience of being the one who leads the development of the car. Because I don't think Leclerc's played that role yet, where he's been at a team and had had a car developed around him. So you can't bring in, you know, another youngster. There will be no point bringing Lando Norris in, who also hasn't had that same experience. Someone like Bottas definitely knows how to help develop a car. Uh, he knows how to he knows how to respond to changes, and he knows how to play the proper team game. But he also knows exactly what makes Mercedes tick. Now, I I would be I'm not saying the car was built around Bottas, but I bet you Bottas has had a heck of a lot of input into that car. Yeah, I, I would think so. And he, again, he's rumored to be good with technical feedback. And emotionally, he's very, he's that, you know, we make fun of him. We call him Robotus. But even still, he's, he's, he would be a wonderful counterweight to Leclerc because he has that calm presence that he brings to the team and he has the ability to to see the big picture and and to you know to be just as happy to be riding the bench for the winning team as having to be the star player and scoring all the winning goals if you know what i mean he he would be fine in either capacity and that's really who they're looking for they're looking for someone who could play either role and be a good team player while doing it I, he would be the best person for them but could they get him away from mercedes and would he want to go to ferrari now that becomes my question. Right. So he's out of contract at the end of 2020, Bottas, I believe. Would he want to go? I, I think yes, because I reckon he's smart enough to know he's not beating Lewis Hamilton over the course of a season. He's not going to pull a Rosberg. I don't think he's going to do it. However, look across at Ferrari. Yes, equal opportunities. Wink, wink. But I understand. I'm a number two. I get that. But if you're Valtteri Bottas and we talk about changing the wins, changing the favour, right? His only hope with Lewis Hamilton is is Lewis retiring. And Lewis keeps making frightening noises that he's fine. He's been making those noises for five years. I'm fine. We'll crack on for a bit. You know, he's still fit, young and healthy. If you go over to Leclerc, destabilising a driver in what will be his fourth season start is going to be easier, possibly, he may think than destabilizing uh, Lewis Hamilton. So but there's more room to ease yourself in at Ferrari than there currently is in Hamilton's shadow. Yeah, so I, I think I, I take your point. At Ferrari, there is still a gap between Leclerc's experience and maximizing the car where he becomes unbeatable by someone like Botas. And, and that's, uh, you know, but is that a gap you can drive into as a racing driver? I don't know. But, but he could see it as an opportunity to take a win, whether just winning the season or whether winning a championship from Hamilton if Ferrari delivers a car and it's close enough, he might, he might see that as an opportunity to up his profile. And, and so, yeah, it could be, he might be tempted to take that chance, but he's got a pretty sure thing at Mercedes. You know, he's going to win races. And if Hamilton retires and the new guy, new kid comes in and isn't on his game, then that World Drivers' Championship is going to be all his. So, yeah, you've got some interesting thinking to do there. I, I think Bottas, as the number one driver at Mercedes, does well. I, I think he, he's not he's not getting the roll of the dice because he is he is definitely not seen as the number one driver. I don't know if it's in his contract or not, but look, he's with the six time world champion. 
He might well be happy with that. He might well be happy with picking up the odd wins, like we've said with Perez. He could be there waking up every morning going, ah, I'm living my dream of being an F1 driver and an F1 race winner. And we don't know. He keeps his cards close to his chest. Uh, But there we go. Do you take a few race wins at Mercedes or do you take a more longer shot at um, winning a a championship with, with Ferrari? I don't know. I guess the last one here, seriously to consider, is is Lewis Hamilton. Uh, I don't see this as a realistic prospect. Fact is, Lewis Hamilton's got it so good at the moment. There doesn't appear to be any any hint of a rift. And beyond Mercedes leaving F1, I just can't see it. Uh, yeah, I think the problem uh, for Ferrari is Hamilton needed to have beaten Schumacher's record for that to have been a viable option for him. Maybe he wants to go race at Ferrari just to say that he did the thing. I don't know. I mean, I get it. You were adored, I think, in Marinello in a way that you're not at any other team. Um, But yeah, again, we're talking sure things. He knows he's going to win championships with Mercedes. With Ferrari, that is an unproven quantity, and there's no amount of money that would that would tempt him to give up his pursuit of the ultimate Formula One record. No amount of money. It would would cause him to do that. And it would be fun to see him launch that. But let's remember, he went to Mercedes only after Nicky Lauda and Ross Braun sat down and said, this is why you should take this more seriously than you are, and showed him things that we can only imagine, but were very, very convincing. Now, you're going to ask yourself, could Ferrari do that for him today? And you're going to be told, no, no, they don't have the magic engine that Mercedes did. And so, no, he's going, he, he would, he, yeah, if Mercedes lost last year, if they were a trash fire, different story. Cause I still want that record and I want to go with the best shot that I have at that record. But if I'm Ferrari, do I want Lewis, who might be there another five or six years with Leclerc only a two, a year or two away from really coming into his own? Or is that just trouble down the road that I don't want to have to deal with? Well, there we go, Matt. Our half hour impromptu breaking news live stream is entering its 51st minute. So let's, let's wrap this up in a neat bow, Matt. Uh, one more, right. one more major topic I still want to go to is what now for Sebastian Vettel? So let's see. I think he has five options. Let me see. Let me see if I'm getting this right. Five options. Leave F1. Number one. It's fine. You can leave F1. You're a dad of three. He's got three kids, hasn't he? And he's 35, 36. He won a race in his first season. That was his first season. Toro Rossa in the, re- in the rain. Won a race. Then had a bit of a Lewis Hamilton year where he could have won a title and, and missed out. Some say he could have picked that up. Yeah, sure. Lewis Hamilton could have won in 2007 as well. Then in his third year in F1, he started a string of four consecutive world champions. That's fine. That's good. He did it all early. And if we stop it there and he'd have left there, he'll still go down in the history books as this wonder kid who came in, won four world championships and then disappeared. Okay. I've been a critic of him since then. I think since his world championships, it's been a disaster. He lost to Daniel Ricciardo. You can, you can say he deliberately lost that to get out of his contract if you want to. 
the evidence suggests probably not the case, was able to beat clear number twos at Ferrari, threw away opportunities to to add to his tally. But you know, other drivers have. Uh, you know, it's not like it's not. You know, he didn't he didn't stab anyone. He just failed to win a world championship. Millions of people failed to win a F one championship. Billions. So look, he's got nothing to be ashamed of. He can go for an early retirement as a millionaire, four time world champion. And I don't think anybody would think any worse of him for that, Matt. No, I agree. I think the issue for him is, do I still feel the need to compete, to race at this level? Because as, as you know, it's a personal thing. Some things I did competed at as a youngster, eh, I, I, I can take it or leave it. Other things, um, I'm you know playing the trumpet, I can't leave it behind. I still have to do it, and I have, I have to be competitive at it. Like it or not, it is hard to leave some things behind. So a lot of that's going to be where he and his head are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that is an option. Option one. So the things that aren't options, I think all of the top three teams are not open to him. Don't think Red, Red Bull are interested. They've got Verstappen. It's Verstappen plus someone. And this year, it's, it's Albon. But ask yourself if it winds up being Botas that goes to Ferrari. Oh, Would too Mercedes many... like to have Vettel in exchange? That's too many chess pieces to shuffle. Fine, let's do. I don't think so. I don't think. I don't think Mercedes want that kind of relationship. If if Bottas leaves, George Russell comes in under strict instructions. This is your time to shine. But this is the Lewis Hamilton show right now. Your time will come. That's what happens if Bottas leaves. Why would you bring Vettel in? Apart from the fact that we would love to see it. I'd love to see it. And by the way, Vettel would get absolutely rinsed. And I think he knows it. So why would he go? I, I can't see that scenario. A fun if, one to look at. If I was Mercedes, just to have the information. How long has he been at Ferrari now? Yeah, I bet they'd learn a thing or two. Okay. Anyway. That's true. But, no, that's true. But realistically, that's not likely to happen. What The, the two biggest names we've seen are Ricardo and Sainz. Yeah. And it's, and everyone's pretty much saying it. I mean, like people are already reporting signs is a done deal in the chat. And, but let's, let's take it. Let's take it. Uh, from my point of view, the way I've thought about it, since you've, uh, you foolishly asked me a question and I will now talk for ages. I will filibuster the end of the show. Um, let's take it. If I was Vettel, they're exactly outside of Mercedes, two teams that I would consider Renault because they're a manufacturer. Same reason we discussed with Ricardo. And McLaren. And the reason for McLaren would be, ask yourself, if your name isn't Mercedes or Red Bull, who won the last world championship that you can recall? Um, aside from Braun, which is basically Mercedes. I'm just going to chuck that out there. They were already Mercedes by the time they won that constructor's championship. Okay. M McLaren, Mercedes. Yeah. What are you going to have next year? McLaren, Mercedes. So if I'm Vettel, that might be an intriguing might be an intriguing possibility. I, I think the accusations that you're just, you know, are you Alonso in disguise will <laughs> come out then. Yeah, I'm going to go to Ferrari to emulate Schumacher. Oh, that didn't work. Yeah, I'm going to go to McLaren and try and be a world champion there. Uh, let's see how that works. So, yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong. So here's, here's his options. I think you, you've, you're covering the same list as me, I think, so far. Yeah. Top, top three teams out. So retirement, Renault, McLaren, that's fine. Oh, uh, the Ferrari juniors are probably not on the table. So Haas and uh, Alpha, Alpha Sauber, probably no. not options. 
William's not an option, actually, because of budget restraints. So yeah. we very quickly narrowed it down to Renault or McLaren, I think. Yeah. yeah not Toro Rosso, obviously. No, no, he wouldn't do a junior team or like, you know, he would the same. That's why he wouldn't do um, Racing Point because they're essentially Mercedes Junior. And that's he's not a junior team driver. So he's only going to go somewhere where he could actually theoretically yeah. win a championship. So pe- people are saying that the, uh, the money, they wouldn't pay his wages. I sort of disagree with that because Vettel is commercially a good prospect. So having four-time world champion Sebastian Vettel from a marketing point of view is, 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 is great. So a team like McLaren, they would market the hell out of having Sebastian Vettel and using that to bring sponsors on board. So no, I think he's commercially... That's a good option for for McLaren, not a businessman. Uh, we will ask Matthew Carter if he thinks that would be a good idea. Um, but Renault, we know Renault will pay the big bucks. Yeah, we we they've got previous, so we know Renault will pay. What's Daniel Ricciardo on? Something daft, thirty mil, something like that. Oh, that's that's ridiculous. That's silly money for for is it thirty mil? No, huh. not a season. Anyway, it's a lot of money. They will at least be able to match, you know, ten ten million or something like that. So. Vettel's got options. I wouldn't blame him for leaving the sport. I hope he doesn't. I hope he sticks around and shows a bit of fight because since his world championships, he's had three major fights, in my opinion. One was, you know, the new kid on the block, Daniel Ricciardo, coming into Red Bull. Big test after only having Mark Webber as a teammate. He failed that challenge. Next big test was fighting Lewis Hamilton in what some would say was better machinery for at least part of 2017, 2018. Failed that challenge. And then the new young buck, Charles Leclerc, comes in, big challenge, fails that as well. Is there enough fight left in Sebastian Vettel to have one last fight, put to bed those failures, and just, just I don't know, one last big win? Is it there for the champ? I think so. I don't think he's done. I, I think, you know... You learn a lot when things go wrong and say what you will about him on track. He's a very reflective and very analytical person when it comes to his career and what he's up to. And the, I haven't seen he's not a sower of dissension in teams. And again, I think it just gets down to his need to be on a racetrack. How important is that to him? And what is he willing to accept in in the meantime to get where he needs to be for him to say, yes, this is it. This is my career. I'm happy with it. I'm ready to move on to uh, new pastures. Excellent. Well, that's an hour. I knew we weren't going to do it, whatever. I'm not going to make up for the fact we've got an hour when we said half an hour. I won't even edit out things like throwing my pen at the microphone. Uh, Matt, I don't know if you've been monitoring the chat room. Do we, do we save comment of the weeks for like weekend stuff? Um, I, I, I have a couple that I'm sure I missed a lot because there's yeah. only been two of us on the show, but I have, I have four that I've saved. All right. Well, in that case, um, let's see who's the winner of this week's comment of the week. Let's One it. of them was not actually a comment that way. It was the latest rumors of Ricardo and McLaren signs to Ferrari Vettel or Alonso to Renault. So I just, that's the chat room's view as we come to the end of the thing. And thank you, Bruce yeah. Wayne, for uh, putting it so succinctly for me. Uh, why, although I say, why use 10 words when you can use several hundred thousand? But hey, you know, that's just me. Opinions differ. 
Um, Christopher Fonseca, silly season before the first race. Is that a new record? And technically you're right because we didn't start the event in Australia. And I don't know. Is that a record? I mean, it's sort of like the end of last season has just bled into the start of this year because of all the craziness. I don't know. It may be a record, maybe not, but good comment nonetheless. Maddie Poika, to be fair, 2020 will forever be known as the silly season. Yep, it could well be. It could be. Good uh, point. Good yep. point. Wish waiter, that'll be test driver for Williams. Calling Ooh. it now. Okay, Which, well, like, good luck with that prediction. It's a bold one. Painful, funny. And then uh, possibly this week's, not even weeks, this partial week's winner, Drum Rocker 2. Hulk will still find a way to finish fourth, though. Oh, come on. No. It's all mean, right? That is, that's mean, but that's got to be the winner. That's the best comment. Yeah, I think so, too. Who who said it? Uh, Drum Rocker 2. Oh, that's a new winner and a new name in our chat room. Hi, guys. Comment of the week. I guess because we've pressed record in the afternoon, we've uh, we've picked up uh, a different demographic, some different people in the live chat room. It's been brilliant. And I have to say, Matt, the only reason that we are able to do a last minute impromptu show and not get yelled at by our better halves is because Mist Apex does pay for project time for us to have this as part of our freelance uh, part of our freelance working week and it means that it is a high priority within our lives within our families and it allows us to continue this as a passion if our patreon support disappeared tomorrow we'd pack up the sheds and mist apex would be done we literally owe that much to our patrons and you are 563 of our favorite people join them uh, please, in supporting us, if you can, patreon.com forward slash Mist Apex, or there's a tip jar on our homepage, you will get a ad-free feed. So if you don't like the adverts, uh, you will get a private RSS feed to add into the search bar of your podcast player, and you'll get a, a feed there without any advertisements. Uh, you'll also get invited to our private Patreon forum, which is a very cool place to come and hang out. And uh, when me and Matt roll out some patron-only podcasts, which are coming back, uh, our time has been taken up with the Remain Indoors podcast currently, uh, but the patron-only podcasts are brilliant because we know we're talking to a small, invested audience um, and it's a bit different. It's a little looser, but we have a great time. But most of all, you're supporting podcasts. Uh, podcasts in general survive because they're supported. The ones that aren't supported fade away. Patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. Thanks for joining us for this special, super short, breaking news edition of Missed Apex Podcast. I love it that our old show length has now become our new super short show length in the, uh, in the interim here. Who said that? Whoever said that? Whoever pointed out that that true thing is... Uh, banned from comment of the week for one week. Who said it? Uh, I said it. I just noticed. I was like, oh, right. This is how long our whole shows used to be. <laughs> and now it just feels like, uh, it feels like we're just getting warmed up. 
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.